Welcome to the Footy Museum and the Footy Museum podcast, where today co-director Maria Van Dyke and Lee joins us from the set of Blade Runner. Maria, how is Harrison Ford and how are things going with you? Smoking as usual. <laughs> I'm excited today because we are going to talk to Alan Krolikowski, who is a member of the Men in Red 97 uh, group, which is a fan-built Chicago Fire a media company, really. They do podcasts yeah. and website. They're really trying to gear up a lot of excitement around the fire and, and build the fan base of the great club. As you know, I'm a big fire fan. You are also the biggest. A, um, well, I'm a new you, fire I, fan. I would say you're a new fire fan. I think I, you are a Leeds fan and live in Chicago. So you, you <laughs> go to fire and you are now a season ticket holder. Uh-huh. But well, I'm excited to geek out a little bit with Alan about what is looks like an exciting season. Yeah. And talk about think, the um, the interesting moment in supporter culture that's happening mm-hmm. in Chicago. You were waiting patiently for action <laughs> to take place, and action has taken place. That's true. They've had a lot of exciting uh, transfers. Uh, there's a lot of energy. This is pre-fire season, Justin. You're talking about post-fire season, Justin. Yeah, so let's just different. bathe in the enjoyment of pre-fire bathe season. Bathe in the <laughs> celestial light of pre-fire season and watch as the metaphor for the prison in my mind changes throughout the duration of oh, man. the interview. <laughs> wow. For anyone just listening, Maria is, um, is, is remote today and she has very dramatic... Uh, Venetian blind lighting in, yeah. <laughs> in the room in which she's recording. This is some sort of film noir. She's going to put on a fedora and light up a cigarette, <laughs> which would just be a normal broadcast. All Where's right. my trench coat? Where's It's in a closet somewhere. All right, let's bring on Alan to talk about this exciting season for the Chicago Fire. And to talk about all the exciting things happening with the fire this year, we have Alan Krolikowski, who is a host on the Men in Red 97 podcast, where they talk about the fire. It's so great to have Alan here, so I'm going to bring him on board. Hey, Alan, welcome to the Footy Museum. Yeah, I'm excited <laughs> to be here. Excited to be here. Excited to you talk about the be. fire. It's an exciting, well, the fire have won the offseason, which they've done before. Uh, they've had a really exciting uh, a off-season with transfers, other news, the kit returning to red. So we'll have a lot to talk about. But I'm I'm curious first, uh, what is your connection to the fire? How did you become a fan? It's it's quite the story. I've been a fan probably more recently than a lot of fans that I know, uh, probably around 2019, 2020. Okay. First of all, when I was growing up, I had really no connection to sports whatsoever. I was a theater kid. I was like, ew, sports ball <laughs> and stuff like that. And then when I started going to high school, I started to like surround myself a lot more with sports, especially with the World Cup, the European Championships. Mm-hmm. I started watching like uh, soccer in Europe. And then I remember some people were like, oh, you know that Chicago is a local team called the Fire. And I was like, oh, interesting. And when I started college, I was a part of DePaul's esports team, and okay. they told us, "Hey, there's an esports event going on at the Fire," and I was like, "Sure, why not? I'll go." And I went there, and you know, I played uh, 
FIFA with a bunch of other people, as well as the EMLS player for the fire at the time. They had a raffle when the, where the grand prize included fieldside tickets, as well as meeting the captain, Dax McCarty. Oh, and uh, Dax. somehow I won that. <laughs> and I got to meet Dax, as well as I was on the field side, uh, oh, fairly close to the supporter ginger section. Ginger Jedi. Yeah. And, oh, my gosh. Yeah, and no, I'm on Ginger Ninja, I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, it, was, it was a moment that really just changed my perspective of soccer in the united states and i was like you know what this is really cool and from that moment on especially with the move back to soldier field and how close Mm -hmm. uh you know it is in the city to depaul and everything like that i was like sure why not i got season tickets i slowly started to immerse myself in the supporter culture i started going to games in the supporter section started Mm -hmm. meeting people and slowly and but surely i became a part of a supporter group called barn burners 1871 and I'm with that group right now. And uh, as well as I remember that one day when uh, our founder, Matt, as well as our editor-in-chief, Alex, put out a little Google form saying like, hey, if anyone knows how to make podcasts or is a writer about the fire and something like that. And I was like, I make podcasts because I previously made podcasts for um, like myself, my friends, as well as at DePaul. So I was like, I make podcasts and I like the fire and then, and then the rest is, and then the rest and is I history. know how to fill out forms as a triple threat. So that remind that brings up to our next question. Cause you mentioned mm-hmm. uh, some of the other fans you work with, and that is on for a, a, a company, a group called men in red 97. Uh, you guys produce podcasts. You are hosting that podcast, very present online um, and with all things fire. Do you want to tell us a little bit about men in red 97? So yeah, Men in Run 97, or MIR 97 for short, it's an independent fan-run media group uh, founded by Matt Silverman. Uh, He wanted to create uh, sort of a central base for fire supporters, both new and old, to get info and news surrounding the fire. Not just the fire, but also like Chicago-related soccer items. Mm -hmm. So we also have writings on the United States men's national team, as well as a few other uh, articles and episodes about like grassroots or the Mm -hmm. other teams that are in Chicago and there's various mediums. The main ones right now are articles that are written by uh, the various writers we have at men in red, such as our editor in chief, Alex Calabrese. Um, We have two podcasts. We have the sort of like the main men in red 97 podcast where we, you know, we talk news, we sort of discuss vibes and whatnot. And then we also have one called hot takes where people can submit like their questions or their hot takes. And we discuss upon that. It's a fairly new organization. Mm -hmm. It's only like our second season, but it's, it's grown massively and it's fairly exploded. And as you mentioned, we, we try our best to be on top of uh, the fire news and really share that into the world. And yeah, and, and the most important thing is that it's fan run yeah. and it's independent. So like everyone here is a fire fan. No one here is like, no one's here. No one's getting paid to do what they don't want to do. Essentially. We don't get paid at all. <laughs> or at least I don't. <laughs> I do this because I love to talk about the fire and I love the fire and I love the fans and everything like that. Check out MIR 97. MIR 97. And I've listened. It's it's great stuff, especially if you are like Marie and I, also season ticket holders and fans mm-hmm. of the fire. And it's also interesting what you just first what you first said is you came to it, you know, thinking of yourself as kind of a theater kid, maybe not into sports. But I find that um, soccer and football attracts a lot of really creative people. And I don't know 
what your take on that. I know I think when you have something that really encourages so much creativity from the supporters, it, it brings a different kind of fan and that manifests in really interesting ways. So I think that that's also interesting from your story. And I can relate to that as well. Having, you know, work in the museums and, and spending all this time talking about soccer. <laughs> yeah. Amen. I say to that, especially with supporter culture in soccer, both here Absolutely. and worldwide, there is so many ways you can get involved in the supporter culture, whether it's musically or artistically or just by being there. Um, I feel like just soccer in general just gets too much hate from the American public. You always have those people that just say Lindsay soccer Haran. is boring. Yeah, no. <laughs> and, and, and it gets hate. And I, and I've been to all sorts of Chicago sporting events. I love going to Blackhawks games, mm -hmm. White Sox games, Bulls games. You don't get that much creativity and that sort of culture, that togetherness Absolutely. in other sports. It's interesting as well. It's so funny you bring that up about in Chicago, it's not necessarily caught on the same level as other teams. And there's a lot of effort and movement for that to change as the sport really catches on nationally again. But when you look at the history of the sport in the city, it's really deep and really long. And a lot of it runs through a lot of places tied to the fire, like Soldier Field, even if with their like proposed potential move to the White Sox location. These are all sites where a deep over 100 year history of soccer has existed in the city. And I think what's also exciting when you're a fire fan is you can tap into that. It's also there's something deeper about being connected to the city uh, beyond just the team because you're kind of involved with a really deep history that overlaps with a lot of things that happened here that you don't necessarily feel with other clubs. But with all that said, it has been a tough decade for the fire. <laughs> and I think you, especially for you, most of your experience as a fan has been for a team that has an incredibly rich history fans with high expectations, but a rather turbulent past decade plus. There has been underperforming seasons, uh, short, I think only two playoff visits in the last, what, 12, 13 years. And then also, then we had the move from uh, Bridgeview to Soldier Field that lined up with COVID. So what was gonna be this great reveal ended up being kind of this really difficult time. Big expenses on players under the new owner. You're, like Shakiri, that didn't quite pan out. You have Jairo Torres, who didn't quite pan out. He's mm -hmm. now been bought out by the club. And there's a sense of this fan pace, I think, of impatience somewhat, because there is that experience of so much success early on in the career. Um, but things seem like they're, they're changing this year um, again. And I'm curious, what is it that you're looking forward to as we head into the this season, the 2024 season. In terms of on the pitch, of course, <laughs> there's a lot of things that has that has happened, especially recently in the last like what two, three, two, yeah. three weeks. Yeah. If you were to ask me like immediately after <laughs> the, the off season started or like in January, sort of, uh, most fans would be very disappointed. And most fans were incredibly disappointed when we heard that Georg Heights has been re-signed or extended yeah. as a sporting director, as he's been someone that's been fairly miss or in terms of hit or miss it's been a lot of fans think has Heights been has spent a lot of money and and with very little return mm -hmm. and has shown 
I would say the biggest criticism has shown a real lack of understanding of MLS. And on top of that, he has a very kind of dismissive, aloof kind of persona that that I feel like a lot of fans take personally, that it's just, he just doesn't care that much, or at least that's the perception. So I, I know where you're coming from on that. So, yeah. yeah. Um, well, you, like that under, not understanding of MLS was definitely visible in the... F- in the season one of Raphael Wiki, part one, essentially, where he tried tapping into a lot of European slash South American markets that just didn't work out. He didn't he didn't look Mm -hmm. that much into what there was already in MLS or even in the academies Mm -hmm. moving in, moving forward from that. He started using more academy players or homegrown players, such as, of course, like Gaga Slania, Brian Mm -hmm. Gutierrez, Maurizio Pineda, those players coming up through the academy and have made an impact from the get-go. Uh, of course, Chris Brady, I have to mention him as well, um, but still has been, and but has not immediately hit off there as well, especially when it came to Ezra Hendrickson. A lot of fans believe that his dismissal came really too early. Like mm-hmm. it was extremely reactionary um, when it came to his dismissal. So a lot Ezra, of fans were also, yeah. Extremely popular figure in MLS. Um, coach was it just ended up being just a year and a half Um, it was incredibly short yeah his tenure he was kind of made the scapegoat for a lot of these bad Mm -hmm. or at least a lot of fans thought that he was made the scapegoat and then and then it followed up by a return to Frank Klopas who's a a great guy fans love him but it's kind of like a been there done that vibe at the time that that Mm -hmm. happened so yeah, that's definitely there, but but with these changes and also with this return back to an identity of, with the red kits coming back and kind of still trying to, I would say, uh, make up to fans for a lot of the drastic choices that were made uh, when the new ownership took over, the, re- the infamous rebrand, the changing of the colors, the kind of ditching of fan tradition or the, you know, you said the CF97 hashtag. I feel like that this kit, which is now changing back to red for, for the first time in how many years? It's Since been... 2019, so, the, which is actually, for those watching the, the video, that kit yeah. is right there, back there. The 20, <laughs> This was the last 2019 red kit. 2020 was when they saw the move to that like dark uh, navy blue as well mm-hmm. as the white away. So, so that, it seems to me like this this continuation of, of the slow learning process like oh we have to honor these things we have to do that we're figuring it out mm-hmm. um, and hopefully that comes across yeah and, and well. I'm definitely not we're um, a majority of the fans from what I'm saying are not bashing Mansueto if anything we're praising the fact that he is willing to a listen to the fans as well mm-hmm. as put effort into this team and when it came to the leadership and management of the previous decade prior to Joe Mansueto and that was definitely not the case and it felt everything that they did was extremely reactionary and just against the fan culture and that just made a lot of fans just mad and it also made a lot of fans leave and not come back like mm-hmm. the fire culture has been incredibly bigger than what it is right now in the past decade prior to that especially around when the fire last won their uh a, a playoff game which was like around 2008 2009 mm-hmm. um there were the fire fan base was fairly bigger than it was right now and a lot of people have just simply left because they were tired of this 
ignorance or just arrogance by the the ownership so this change in ownership and even though a lot of things didn't hit off whether it's the rebrand or like the things happening on the pitch things are the, the gears are turning and a lot of fans Absolutely. are happy about that and a lot of fans are taking the initiative to keep bring either you know bringing back those fans or bringing in new fans you know just working things out instead of being like it is what it is well this year we have um top of the list obviously record signing hugo kuiper's coming in uh which in a package i think totaling over 12 million dollars to bring in they brought in tobias solquist andrew gutman tom barlow chase gasper um and of course kellen acosta u.s men's national team player um and trying to move some of those mistakes off. We also mentioned Jairo Torres, who was in on a DP contract, was bought out and they came to agreement to terminate that. That may also be what happens with Casper Shabilko if, if, we're un, if they're unable to find a home for them. So there is this, um, there seems to be this commitment to try to figure it out. I think that for anyone listening who's curious about it, you should definitely check it out because even at these low points, it's a great history to become part of. And I agree with you, Alan, what you said at the beginning is when you said this return to Soldier Field, I think that was actually one of the, the good moves that the team made because it's back in the city. It's an amazing setting when you're sitting there in a Sunday evening. It's just one of the most beautiful places. And we, there was a taste of it last year when uh, they played... Um, uh, the retirement team from Miami and the whole stadium <laughs> sold out. And even though everyone was wearing uh, jerseys of a player who did not come to Chicago, uh, the fire stepped up in that game. Uh, they dominated and the, got the crowd behind them. And you got a sense of what, what could be in that place. So I'm, I'm curious, the fire is aware of this issue too. And you've talked about it a little. Um, they've recently asked fans ways in which to improve the atmosphere at Soldier Field. And I'm curious how you feel that might be accomplished. By the fans, first of all. Um, like I mentioned, there is an initiative happening right now uh, by the supporters groups and independents. Uh, it's kind of loosely collect. It's a loose collective, which which has sort of been nicknamed the Chicago Collective, where a lot of supporter groups are just coming together to combine efforts, both supportive, musical, and artistic, just to sort of unify that supporter section um, more than it has ever been in the past few years. Because you had pretty much every group doing their own thing. You had one section on the right doing majority Spanish songs. You had one sections on the left doing all English songs. Nothing really ever was uh, together. Uh, you had people in the supporter sections that weren't even supporters. They were people that were there just for the cheaper tickets. Mm -hmm. um, and the moment where the fire weren't playing well or something, they would just leave and there would mm -hmm. be empty rows. And that was something that really peeved me off, especially in the last few seasons. But like I mentioned, there's that movement going on. And for the past few weeks, a uh, few months, there have already been four meetings. There's a fifth one actually coming up next week as we're recording. Uh to once again just keep working on different musical efforts and just supporter efforts to make a more unified sound. And you mentioned that they reached out to people for a tradition or like for new match day tradition ideas. And they actually did like put out another like link where you could vote for 
like a new goal song or something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And they had a few options. One was the, um, I forgot what it's called, like Kerncraft 400, something like that, that you hear a lot of college stadiums, in my mm-hmm. opinion. You had the, uh, the original or the goal song that they've been using for the past few years, which is, uh, social distortions cover of ring of fire and there's actually a movement right now amongst fans just to petition them to bring back the original goal song by deals gone bad the one where everyone's singing fire 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 and that one a lot of fans want that to be brought back especially with the return of the red kit um so yeah the the team's working on things to bring back or to work on you know bringing in a tradition that people can agree on but also the supporters themselves have taken an initiative in order to improve that atmosphere and you know the the move to soldier field overall will probably i seem be seen as a better move that the fire have mentioned i like soldier field i like the location of site of mm-hmm. soldier field on the lakefront granted there's you know there's the usual chicago traffic on columbus drive yeah. or if you're taking public transport there's still like a 15 minute walk from like the roosevelt cta to soldier field unless you like take a bus but good luck waiting for a while um it and there's a walk th- through one yeah. of the most beautiful it, parks in the country it is it's a walk <laughs> but i'll say that it is a walk and whenever i bring my friends to games and we walk there they're like oh and i'm tired i'm like we're almost there <laughs> they're tired walking 15 minutes but they live in the city <laughs> no my friends most of them live in the suburbs you oh, know? okay Ideally, it's, we, there needs to be a soccer-specific uh, stadium. But in terms yeah. of contrast to being so far out of the city yeah. and Bridgeview, oh, yeah. in yeah, an area Bridgeview, that offered yeah. very little um, before or after the game. You only and get I, to Bridgeview if you like want to go to Bridgeview yeah. for soccer. You don't like people just go to games at like Cubs games or whatever because they're like looking for something to do yeah it's like an easy thing for the do yeah it's It's harder another way to get people involved i remember last year at the uh open cup game against houston the reminder drive i hadn't been down there since before they moved because i just don't like that drive (laughs) (laughs) neither do i i'll say Um, that but i was like the reminder was like oh man this is really this is feels very far away now once you're in 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 that stadium uh, which the fire will probably still play games in this year as they do every year. Probably. There is great atmosphere because it is a soccer specific stadium. It's just the location is tough. Soldier Field's an improvement, though I feel like it could, things could definitely be done better. Mm-hmm. And it all depends on what the city, what other teams do. Because you mentioned the possibility, because recently they've released. Uh, the idea or graphics rendering of the White Sox moving to the 78, that little Mm -hmm. uh, undeveloped area off of Roosevelt, and the idea of the fire moving to Bridgeport on Sox and 35th. Um, There's uh, there's nothing... From my my understanding, the fire haven't really been a part of those talks slash renderings, so I don't know how true that is. the whole Bears debacle about whether they're in Arlington Heights or whether they're going to stay on the lakefront, yeah. whether they're going to renovate Soldier Field, whether they're going to build a new stadium. It's it's to be decided, and the fire are just going to have to be, you know, sitting at the round table when that gets discussed. But 
yeah, we just have to make do with what we have. And Soldier Field, it's not the best ultimately for supporter culture, whether it's the acoustics of the stadium, because you see a lot of new MLS stadiums like in Columbus or in Cincinnati that have the covered stands and the sound just spreads out all the way over there. In Soldier Field, it just really goes up into the air. Um, it's also limited by the fact that we're there's not an actual like supporter section. Like there's no like standing section. There's no room to really put any instruments or stands and also soldier feels really stingy and they're just really about what you can and cannot do what you can and cannot bring into the supporter section in comparison to other mls teams that really limits um what can be done anyone listening who who maybe doesn't know soldier field is owned by the city of chicago which is a very difficult situation which is also what the chicago bears are running into and it's run by the chicago parks department and such they have very rigid kind of nonsensical rules because they just have them blanketed over the entire parks department without a realization that a professional sports stadium might need to operate differently versus (laughs) everywhere from concessions offered to how you can bring in and does that also affect tifo displays because i'm always shocked I, I go to a lot of games. We're fans, but I'm old. I don't go to the supporter section. <laughs> and, and like, uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but I don't see a lot of, at Soldier, a lot of raised TIFOs. Um, and I'm wondering why that is. Is that a restriction by the stadium or does that come from kind of the ongoing sorting out of issues between supporter groups? From what I understand, it's mainly with the stadium. It's with Soldier Field. There's been talks of using the netting because it's they, there is a rigging there that they have for nets whenever there's like a field goal or something like that for nfl games they have that rigging and they have them up when they're training because they're actually this almost happened to me twice where a ball nearly whizzed past my head <laughs> while they were training prior to the match so uh, from what i understand there's been talks of that i don't know if there's anything accumulated from that Mm. Uh, I would have to ask some of the other supporters that are more in contact when it comes to like the TIFOs and everything like that. Well, I think that the Fire is one of the the most historic clubs in in the league. Uh, obviously, being here almost right at the beginning, all of the um, the championships that the, the team has won, the Open Cups, um, and also the history of football and soccer in in Chicago is really the story of that sport growing in the country. And I think it's also an opportunity to really support um, the city of Chicago and kind of own your stake in that. Because as a supporter, you're deciding to take on that identity of following that team. And I think that's why there's still so many passionate fans. And it definitely seems like it's going in the right direction. Um, And I think that one issue that the fire dealing with is that they're an older, somewhat older club compared to other MLS clubs, right? So when you have a brand new club that comes in, everything's kind of set up. We're going to have this supporter group. We have this brand new stadium. Everything's exciting. I think it's almost easier at that point because you're just feeding off that energy. We're starting to become a mature club, just like clubs in Europe, elsewhere, where there's histories, different experiences, different traditions that overlap and clash. And I think we're just at an age of MLS club that a lot of teams aren't at. And it's this growing pain because we start to have, the fire have a complex and rich history. So it's not as easy 
to channel, move, and structure it as it is, say, like a brand new team in um, Las Vegas or something like that. <laughs> yeah. St. Louis. So I think I think the fans are, or in St. Louis, or St. Louis. But I think for the fans, uh, you need to realize that like this is because it's because there's this history that it can yeah. be difficult. But I would say Maria mentioned St. Louis. We were speaking to um, supporters from St. Louis, and uh, they were really nice, and they talked about a lot of their experience, and we asked how they built this atmosphere so quickly, and they reminded us of the long history of, of soccer in St. Louis as well. But they also pointed to coming to fire games um, early on in MLS and, and sitting with Section 8 and doing the chants, and kind of that was their first exposure to that culture. So I also think the influence of the fire mm. is is often underrepresented in the league. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm a huge fan, obviously, but uh, I think that it's an exciting time to be one and get on board. So, but <laughs> but what I would say is to anyone listening who's kind of new to the fire, one, what is your favorite memory as being a, a fire fan? You could start with that. I this is actually fairly recent. Um, mm-hmm. So in the last uh sort of like the second half of the season one of my roles that when it came to games up uh with barn burners the group i'm a part of is rhythm section so we have a bass drum there and i'll be playing in order you know to keep rhythm keep time and everything like that this was in the game last september against new england revolution i was doing playing my silly little drum as normal and around halftime a bunch of kids come up and they ask if they can play or they can, you know, try. And I was like, of course, I'm I'm a music educator. Um, like I basically after June, I'll have I'll have my license to teach music education in Illinois. And I just immediately just teacher Allen came came over and <laughs> I, I taught the kids, you know, how to hold the sticks, where to play some of the chants as well. Uh, uh, I had some of the parents came over, they were recording. They thought it was pretty cool. Some of the supporters, even they were, they were singing along. They thought it was really cool. And I ended up putting a video that one of, uh, one of the supporters recorded onto, uh, Twitter X, whatever it's called. And it got a lot of traction and even the fire themselves have shared it. And they said, Oh, it's the next generation of fire fans. And a lot of the comments were extremely positive saying, you know, it's, it's people like me that keep coming back to the supporter section. Cause it, it, it in the end, it does rely on the next generation. Cause like you mentioned, the, the fire are an older, a more mature uh, club. So there's definitely fans that have been there at the beginning, mm-hmm. uh, may not be able to keep going in the next few years so that's what it's it's important to always you know you know keep keep bringing up the na- that next generation and you know i had uh friends that said you know they learned when they were young fire fans they learned how to play the drums on the terrace and help in their own ways and it's you know it's it's moments like that like just sharing the craft sharing the love with everyone especially with with the younger fans and why what would you say to someone considering starting to go to games? Why, why should they do it? Do it. <laughs> do it. Do it. Just do it. Don't, you, you can't bash something until you try. How many yeah. arguments I've had with American soccer fans that don't like MLS and yeah. they will say, and I literally just today, I was reading comments on social media about 
um, there's this usual, like English fans always say, support your local, support your local club. And I've said, and I literally saw a comment that said, oh, I live in Chicago. There's no way I'm supporting the fire. And I asked them why. And they were like, they suck. And I was like, okay, why do you think fans of teams that are in the relegation zone or all the, or so many leagues down, Mm -hmm. why do they keep showing up? Mm -hmm. Because they love it. They love where they're from and they love that passion and that support. Yeah. You can't bash something until you don't try it. And you know what? And if you go to games and you don't like it, then you know, that's that's okay. You know, I, I don't I don't blame you. Not, not, you know, support either being in the supporter section or just going to a game may not be your cup of tea. That's perfectly fine. But you just can't bash something until you don't try it. How many fans I've created by like my friends bringing them to games and some of them too were theater kids or just like nerds that had no interest in sports whatsoever. They come to a game. Next thing I look, I turn and they're going fire. Hey, to like, all yes. the theater kids out there, it's the only sport that has dedicated has- theater sections. <laughs> it, it has, Literally. It has theater there are sections. things actually called choreos. Come on, people. Choreo. Yeah. And there's there so much, there is so much like drama and tension within the game itself. Cause it, it, doesn't stop play and no, how many no. uh, other sports don't have that same it kind of goes there's the nothing nothing like minutes. a live yeah. match yeah the only i mean the only closest thing i can think of in the united states that comes close is college sports like college football yeah. and college yeah. basketball college you have basketball those. so much more enjoyable than nba for for myself have you guys <laughs> seen like- footage of uh, serbian basketball games Yes, I have of like the Euroleague. They merge, so it's they merge soccer culture with wow. basketball. It is insane. Full flares, bouncing, just like absolutely nuts. I've uh, no joke seen yeah. pyros and banners at a water polo game in Greece. Like it's <laughs> oh yeah, like the, those in, things are synonymous. Though. It's crazy. And Whenever it's I see crazy. a firework, it's like oh, there's a Grecian water polo. <laughs> Yeah, Alan, what you said about um, that comment that that person made where they said, why would I support the fire because they're bad? That reminds me of like all these documentaries people love, like Sunderland Till I Die or Welcome to Wrexham. They're all about people supporting clubs that are down on their luck. And that's like people can get into soccer because of these, like following clubs that are objectively like not playing well and and rise up to the challenge and like see success through passion and persistence and (laughs) and like that is fandom it that is deep rooted and to dismiss the opportunity to join at a point that is maybe a low point ah. it's a great opportunity it's the bet because it is going to be the 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 commitment to this team in the city it's in, it's going to do well again. It's going to be great. There's a chance to get in and meet a lot of the people working to build it. And it's a great community. The other thing I would say is that there's very few sports in the world that represent where you live on a global stage like soccer does, whether that's the players that are developed here in Chicago and then go play in Europe or around the world or other players who come here. Yeah. There is an eye on the fire to some level, right? So if you really want to represent Chicago and have pride in the city, it's one of the best sports you've evolved with because it has, because of the global nature of football, it has that presence. And the games are fun. There's nothing like an in-person match. So um, I hope that more people come out this year. I think it's going to be a great uh, season and I look Mm -hmm. forward to seeing you at Soldier and... um, 
thank you so much for coming on today. Of course, of course. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. And yeah, like I said, and like you said, soccer is truly the great or one of the greatest, if not the greatest sport and to really just get yourself involved. I myself, like I mentioned, I haven't been a fan that long in comparison to other fans, but I felt like I've had such an impact on the culture in there. And you have a genuine direct connection with the club. None that you can really get unless you're a thousand few thousand dollars season ticket holder of some of like an nfl or mm -hmm. a, like a some other big steam team like you don't have that connection like i just i felt that you especially i mean i still love going to like other games like i like going to white Sox game even though they're bad i go into blackhawks <laughs> games even though they're bad i like going to bulls games even though they're mediocre and <laughs> you just don't have that direct connection with the team. I've met so many players. So I've played foosball, no joke. I've played foosball with Frank Klopas, Carlos Peran, <laughs> and Miguel Navarro at a supporters party because they were there with a few other players. I played foosball with them. Yeah. I've met so many players that remember my name and like I, like Wyatt Omsberg, for example, I met him so many times and he remembers who I am. And I'm like, I'm like, yes, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you cannot have that same connection when it comes to other sports, really, unless you you have those connections by money or by some other way. You know, if if you had an opportunity, if someone said you can um, be to help build like a Liverpool's culture only 27 years into their existence, a history, um, a story, a franchise that's going to really write so much of global football. If you had the opportunity just 27 years into it, why wouldn't you take it? And that's where we're at. We're the fight. Exactly. You can come in. You can still be a part of this history and part of this club. So so where can we find out more about uh, what Men in Red 97 are doing or maybe, uh, you know, listen or get involved with you guys? Of course, uh, there's the website, meninred97.com. Uh, all the articles that are written by our wonderful writers are there. The most recent one, of course, talking about Kellen Acosta, Jairo Torres in terms of like the roster and everything. Mm -hmm. Everything you want to know about the fire is there as well as the podcast, social media, MIR97, uh, on Instagram, Twitter, X, whatever, as well as Facebook. We're still there. Uh, question mark. Who still uses Facebook? <laughs> and also, uh, wherever you get your podcasts, um, whether it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts, whatever, Men in Red 97 podcast.